Welcome you and those online to continue worship. I want to apologize for walking in front of the camera. I forget it's there. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to invite Richard Hall up to share with us. I asked him to help me with scripture. Partly, it's lengthy, and I didn't want you to get tired of listening to me, but partly because I love to hear him. He was a broadcaster. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. comes from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, very early in the book of Genesis, and it's one of the first great stories I remember from Sunday school. It also was one of the first toys I remember ever getting from my parents, was a little uh, wooden ark with a bunch of little animals, two by two, going into the ark. Like a lot of books in the Old Testament, there's a lot of violence in it, but most of the books of Genesis have endings that for us as Christians mean a lot to us. We just learned in adult Sunday school this morning, an angel of the Lord went out and slew 137,000 members of an army. Now that's a lot of violence, and that's a lot of horror, and that happens a lot in the books of the Old Testament. This is a long reading today, so I ask you to bear with me. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and it was full of violence in his sight. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with the violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you several pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, and everything with wings, prayers of all creatures that have the breath of life in them, the animals going in were male and female on every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. For 40 days the flood kept coming on earth. As the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and were covered. The depth of more than 15 cubits 
every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in the nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in that ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heaven had been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground, and all the birds, everything that moves on land, came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an, ark, an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and the clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, said time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. I've had 4.30, since 4.30 to prepare. He's had since 10.25, so I think he did a wonderful job. <laughs> Thank you. Now, the story of Noah. We can learn a lot of things from the story of Noah, and these things I'm going to throw out are just things I've picked up over the years. Uh, they're not original to me. But the first one is don't miss the boat. And the second one is to plan ahead because Noah started building the ark before it started raining. Another one is to listen to God, not the critics. Can you imagine the kind of flack his neighbors gave him when he started that project? Another one was the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by professionals. I just thought that was cute. But the one that was especially meaningful came from Eugene Peterson, who is uh, an author, a pastor, and he uh, translated the Bible into the message. And I don't remember which book it came out of. I've read several of his books. But he said, Noah teaches us that no matter how much water is, even all the water in the world cannot 
sink your ship if it doesn't get inside. And what a lesson that is for us in the world today with all the choices we have out there around us and all the stuff that gets thrown at us. But if we don't let it get inside, it can't sink our ship. Now, the story of Noah is one of the most beloved and certainly one of the most well-known stories in all the Bible and is often known as a children's theme. Did you listen to that scripture? You know, certainly God shows his love for the animals, and I think that's why it's become so precious to the children and the rainbows. Uh, I ask Rich to read different excerpts because it goes on for, uh, starts in chapter 5 and goes on into chapter 9, so there's a lot there, and he just read excerpts. But certainly the rainbow is a part of that too. Now, I take the Bible literally on the literal side. I believe there was a worldwide flood. And one reason I do is because in, if you, as you study in ancient civilizations, all of them, this is Hebrew scripture, but in ancient civilizations, all of them had a flood story. It wasn't just one group of people. And that tells me that all the known world was flooded. Now, whether, what other parts, unsettled parts of the world, I don't know about, but I see science continually coming up with more ground that they found was underwater that they didn't know had been. But even if you don't take it literally, and I understand that many don't, many think it's a good story that we learn a lesson from, that God gave us to learn a lesson from. And that's okay too, because we still come out at the same place if we're learning a lesson from it whether we take it literally or figuratively. There's so much here that can be learned. Now, like any good story, it has a plot, it has a conflict, it has a climax and a resolution. And it doesn't leave anything wanting here. You know that the um, plot, God had made all, everything. We're still in Genesis here, only in the fifth chapter when Noah starts. And God had made everything and saw it was good, and here by the fifth chapter, it just gets messed up big time, really messed up. But he looks, and he sees Noah. And it says Noah was a righteous man, and Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Every time I, I look at this story, I want to sing that, oh, I can't sing, but the old Gaither song, Build an Ark, Build an Ark, Save Your Sons and Daughters, you know, that. It, it's a good song, it's catchy, and it keeps coming through my mind, so hopefully I won't break out in song. You know, the world was messed up, it, it reminds me of a potter that carefully, and, and certainly God has been compared to a potter, is shaping and building this thing that, that should come out beautifully and be treasured. And then, like a little piece of sand, or the pressure isn't 
just right. And it just starts getting deformed and out of shape, and it just gets out of control until finally you just want to smash it and start all over. And this is where we find God and his people in Genesis chapter 6. Now, in the midst of all that chaos, and did you know it, he had taken chaos in the beginning and made order, and now he's taken, well, people took order, and now it's returned to chaos. And we have judgment. But it's judgment infused with grace. Because Noah's got a rescue boat. The ark is going to be the means, because of God and giving him the forewarning, is going to be the means where he, his family, and all the animals of the earth are going to be saved. So already we're seeing judgment and grace, judgment and grace. You know, that's really the theme uh, of Scripture. We see um, the Israelites judged and sent off to uh, Babylon and Assyria and then only to take a remnant and bring back and start all over again. So many times we have failed God and yet he has given us a new start. So even in this chaos, even in this chaos we can see that Noah didn't go through that storm alone and neither will we. And we can see that so often when we think it's the end with God, it's only the beginning. And that is a story that repeats itself time and time again. You know, there were some that when they saw Jesus on the cross, thought that was the end. They were so wrong. Because God has so many surprises for each of us. Let's go back into the word there in, in chapter 6, going into 7. As we see the... Um, Conflict intensify in uh, verses 7 through starting at 17. Um, and Rich shared this the flood continued for 40 days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. Do you notice how God's boat stayed above the water? How it rose up above the mountains. The waters swelled so mighty on the earth that the all the high mountains under heaven were covered, and the waters swelled on the earth for 150 days. But there's a resolution in the Bible, as there always is from beginning till we get back to Revelation. The resolution is when, you remember Rich's words, or the Bible's words, that God remembered Noah. And there was hope. There was a light. There was salvation. And there was a promise here in chapter 8. I'm going to go to um, verse 20. Uh, I'm going to go down. 
And God said, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind, for the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done as long as the earth endures. So there's a promise. There's hope and a promise. It's a theme of judgment and yet of grace, always of grace. You know, in new beginnings, certainly new beginnings, in Babel, God had, didn't like the way things were going, and they were getting full of themselves, and God confused their speech. And that's in chapter 11, Genesis 11. But you turn around in Genesis 12, and guess what happens? He has a promise in Abraham. So there, there's uh, a theme that goes on uh, throughout the Bible of judgment laced with grace. And this story foreshadows the final judgment. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go into uh, all the scriptures, but in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 and in 2 Peter chapter 3 and in Mark, Mark, Matthew chapter 24, you get down into verses 37 through 44. All those talk about Noah and how it foreshadows the final judgment. And we're warned that judgment will come. And we're told that there is grace. And that grace for us is found in Jesus Christ. If you go into the, the big cathedrals, both uh, mostly in Europe, but certainly there are some here, uh, often you find them laid out as a cross. They'll be long and narrow. You probably wondered why they made them that way, kind of long and narrow. And then they'll go out and cross in uh, arms like a cross. But then this area that the people sit in, what we now call a sanctuary, in the formal tradition of those churches, those cathedrals. It's called a nave. Does anyone know what nave, what that word means? It comes from the same root word as navy, as in ship. And that's the ship that we as Christians are to be in today. That's our ark, folks. They had Noah in mind when they named it that. Because it's the church and I'm not talking about this building or that building. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the people who God calls his church. We are that ship. We are on that ark of salvation. And we need to be here. I mean, we should be here all the time. But especially in those storms, this is our place of refuge and this is when the storm is over that God is going to remember us and say, come out, come out of the ark. We see salvation in the Noah story, salvation of a remnant. We remember the Passover story and remember the lamb's blood that they, they put across the the door frames of, of the Hebrews so the oldest son would not die in that plague. 
That was their salvation. And yours and mine are in the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Noah is a story of salvation, of God saving a remnant no matter how bad it gets. And it leads up to that final judgment. You know, on the cross, God says, even though you're unfaithful, I'm always faithful. On the cross, God says, even though you let me down, I still love you. That's what our cross tells us. Now, in every message, we are supposed to send you out with a challenge for the week. And when I thought of this, I thought about this this morning, what challenge am I leaving you with? First and most important, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, do it now. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell Chad. You have to tell him. And if you already know Jesus Christ is your Lord, then you're commanded. You're told that the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and love who? Your neighbor as yourself. For on these, all the laws and the prophets hang. Jesus' words, not mine. Take that one to the bank.